The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hey, good Wednesday to you all, everyone. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a hoopball presentation. And I know on yesterday's show, I mentioned that today we'd be wrapping up the Bespers Buckets. But I got into today, and then I thought, screw that. I already have a recording planned with one of my good buddies, who we'll be talking to here in about 40 seconds, the great Adam King. Why not just release today's show a little bit later and make that today's show? So tomorrow... We will be wrapping up the Bespers Buckets. Friday, we'll be talking to the great Aaron Bruski. And then next week, I bought myself a little bit of time. We'll start diving into the Yahoo numbers. Uh, gives it an opportunity for everything to kind of settle a little bit because they are jumping all over the map here in the early going. I'm seeing players move two or three slots daily just because there really isn't a whole lot of data there yet. I am Dan Bespers. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Or just Google search Dan from Hoopball. And without further ado, for this lovely Mailbag Wednesday, I welcome in my good friend, Adam King. Adam, what's up, man? How you doing? Good morning to you. Good afternoon, Dan. Yes, I just, as I was mentioning, we're enjoying life at home at the moment. You guys have got some sort of... We've switched places a bit. I think last time we spoke, we were pretty free and you were locked down and now it's the other way around. Yeah, but you guys have gone into lockdown for far less. So I don't, and I, and I admit, I've been so wrapped up in my own day-to-day. What, what's it like right now? Or is, it, is it quite bad or are you guys okay? No, look, we're, we're fine. Um, the different states have different lockdown rules and, and we're right on a border between two states. So we're sort of following following along with two um two different governments at the moment which is tricky um, say, that sounds fine look yeah look we're, we're fine i mean the state that i work in we went into lockdown with one case so it's not wow. like and the most we've had i think in the three weeks since we've been locked down was about 30 cases in a day so <laughs> so that's different. nothing i think compared to you guys yeah i've been looking at our numbers here in los angeles alone uh and they've dropped from about three or four thousand cases a day down to i think something like uh 1500 or 2000 i've been celebrating now admittedly there are 10 million people in la yeah. uh so it's i guess a little bit different there but still um yeah, that's that's well. I'm I'm glad to hear that you guys are okay. That's the, actually the very important part. Other than you've got that, you've got you were telling me off air. There's flooding in your basement, and yet here you are on a fantasy basketball podcast, ready to do a mailbag show. You're a hero, young man. You're a hero. Well, I can't. All I have to do with the flooding is just go downstairs and pump the water out every forty <laughs> minutes. So, so what I you're saying is we have four. We have forty minutes to do the show. We I have think. forty minutes. Yes. <laughs> So we got a lot of really good questions. Thank you to everybody that sent them to us on Twitter. By the way, you can follow Adam on Twitter at AdamKing91. I have to make sure I get the number right before I go on air every time. I, I, it's in my head, and then as I start to say it, I'm like, wait a minute. Are you sure it's 91, Dan? I am sure it's at AdamKing91 on Twitter. Uh, you're an editor here at HoopBall. You are basically the assistant lead editor? I, I never know what the title is each time. You're like a very high up man on our fantasy division. Can I just call you that? 
Yeah, that's fine. Okay. I don't actually know what the official title is, but um, <laughs> Panda's away at the moment, so we're, Ooh. we're uh, Eric and I are, are assuming a larger role for the, the next. The inmates seven days. are running the asylum, is what you're saying. That, yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh, doing our delicious! Best. That's just delicious. Well, okay, you were kind enough to cut and paste me the uh, array of Twitter questions we got. And again, if anybody wants to get these in for a future mailbag episode or just wants to hit up myself or Adam, I gave our Twitter handles, but again, at AdamKing91, I am at Dan Bespris. These are not going to be done in any particular order. We are not going to do all of the questions given to us because, frankly, as open as we try to be with everything, uh, we do have a couple things at Hoopball that are still behind the paywall, namely the B150 is going to be behind it, our uh, fantasy draft guide, the fantasy pass so we're not going to give out everything, um, but there's a lot of stuff that we can get into some nice detail on on this podcast. I was thinking that uh, kind of a fun thing to start with was a question about punting, which because I don't talk about head-to-head a lot, and I feel like with you on the show, you do play a lot of head-to-head. This is an opportunity to get into something where I'm maybe not quite as comfortable. So someone asked a very simple question, do you do much punting in a head-to-head? How many categories are you willing to, if so? Uh, And do you have a strategy for combining multiple punts? I want to let you go first on this one because this is something where you have more experience than I do. You actually write the punting guide at HoopBall, players you can target for particular builds. Is this something you do often? How much success do you have with it? What would you tell people that are thinking about getting into punting? Uh, so yes, I'm, yeah, I'm writing the punt guide at the moment. Um, and it is something I, I do it. I, I pretty much do it every in every head to head league. Now I don't think I'm in a league where I don't punt. Um, and I'm probably, uh, I, I lean into it probably a heavier than a lot of people. So I, I'm more than okay with punting four hmm. of nine categories. Um, and I do it quite often. So it does. It doesn't leave a lot of room for error um, because chances are you're only winning five, five, four in most of your matchups. Um, but I, I just find that I'm able to, if I punt hard, um, I'm able to be so strong in those five categories that even if I have one or two players out, I'm, I'm far enough ahead that I can still win those categories. Um, and then often if, if those players are out, it means I'm better in turnovers. So if I lose one of the categories, I can win in turnovers. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, no, I'm I'm a strong advocate for punting. I have two follow-up questions, and I want to write them down so I don't forget to do the second one of those two. But the first one is, you were talking about winning five to four every week. Do you find that that makes it hard to get to the top of your league standings and get a bye week if there are teams out there that maybe you would beat 5-4 generally in a playoff matchup, but maybe they're just better at, or they're good at more categories, so they might win 6-3, to 7-2, 8-1 some weeks and get out of that first or second seed where your punt team, you might be coming out of the three or the four hole, but you just kind of have to trust in it, or am I way off base? No, that, that's pretty accurate. Um, I, I often don't finish the regular season on top. I'll finish, um, as you said, third, fourth. So I'll get into the playoffs. Um, and, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay to then just roll my team out um, and trust that, that my strategy is working. Um, but I, I have done a strong punt like this where I've finished first and, and purely because for consistency, you just you win every week. So... Hmm. Um, it's not it's not flashy, but 
you've got other teams who do win 6-3, 7-2, but then they might go through a month where they lose three or four in a row. Um, and so it balances out and then you end up uh, just sort of scraping into hmm. first place there. But but I'm okay either way. Like it doesn't bother me if I, if I have that week off. It seems like the the 5-4 punt win strategy actually is best in hyper-competitive leagues because of what you were just talking about, where if you're in a league where there's a ton of parity, all 12 teams are competing, all 12 teams are are relatively good, then your your opponents won't have that many weeks where they win 7-2 or 8-1 to one over... Everybody knows that one team or the, those two teams in their league that kind of roll over every year where if you're punting a couple of things, you still win 5-4 where everybody else is getting an 8-1 to one victory over that team. If that team doesn't exist, then like you said, if you win 5-4 and everybody else is alternating winning 6-3 and losing 3-6, then you do end up out in front of them. And so it, it almost feels like I don't know if it has you have you found this to be the case where the more competitive the league, the better that strategy actually works for you. Yeah, I do. And and I think that when you're in a competitive league, um, a lot of the, the GMs who you're up against are probably getting their projections and rankings from from a sort of a reputable site. Um, and, and so you will find that people are targeting very similar players. So by punting, it, it does change your targets a little bit. So. Um, I think it it sort of just puts you on a different path to everyone else and maybe frees up some players that, that they're not targeting. It does mean you might have to go a little bit high on a couple of players who fit your punt build, but I'm okay to do that. Uh, and then in, in a less competitive league, um, yeah, you, uh, you might punt just one or two categories. I know that in a league that I'm in, um, a few of the, the managers in there just don't have the time to put into all the prep. So when we go to our draft, that's their prep, really. They, they prep <laughs> they the pre- night before, they handwrite some notes, and, and that's it. They're so, probably not too thrilled that you're in that league, huh? Well, They're just like, no, oh, well, Adam, probably, the, yeah. the fantasy writer, huh? Okay, la-di-da, and then you just whip them every year. <laughs> yeah, but, and I mean, uh, uh, my, that league, the league I'm thinking of, I generally do finish first or second in the regular season, and then it just comes down to, to the playoffs and and a bit of luck, as we've seen more and more in the playoffs, um, which I know that's why you prefer Roto, is because you get to the end of the season and you've got players sitting out, um, resting, fake injuries, oh, yeah, all that sort of that. stuff. So, yeah, do, that my leagues this year that I'm running, I've cut them really short. So I think I'm ending them about a month before the regular season finishes. Yeah, I think you have to. And I, I've, I've talked about it before on the pod. Like, there's... I love playing more fantasy basketball so in my heart i want the season to go as long as possible because i i want a longer season and a shorter off season just again for my own enjoyment i want to watch the games and care about them for longer but just from a fairness standpoint the the roi of keeping your league going longer is is terrible like you lose you could, if things don't go sideways, like then great, you got an extra week of watching meaningful fantasy basketball games. But if they do go sideways, it ruins the whole league. So, yeah, uh, message to all listeners: end your leagues early. It's much, it's a much worse feeling to have your league ruined by the silly season 
than to just end it a week earlier and have a week less of basketball to pay attention to. At the risk, by the way, Adam, of of taking this punt question too far, because I know we have a bunch of questions I want to get to, at least a handful of them. Which categories are you most comfortable punting? Because you mentioned maybe punting as many as three or four of them. Where where do you have your greatest success, and are they correlated? Uh, they are correlated. So it's generally, I think, if you could if you could bucket the punts, it's a guard punt or a, or a big man punt. And and from the drafts, I think I've done about six drafts. By the so way, thank you for putting of... them into buckets. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> you like buckets. I you? do. I really enjoy them. Uh, so this, yeah, in the, the drafts I've done so far, um, I've found that I'm punting big men. So, um, I can bring up one of my rosters. Yeah, how do you, how do you do that? Cause eventually you're going to need someone in a power forward or a center slot on your team. You do. Yeah. So, I mean, it does make it tricky knowing when to target, um, when to target a, a forward or a center because you, you often, as you said, you do need to fill those roster spots. Uh, so let me go into... Sure, yeah. I get the feeling as you're pulling that up that when you say you're sort of punting a big man, that would mean then that you're looking for people with power forward or center eligibility that maybe aren't very good at rebounding or aren't very good at field goal percent, as opposed to, I think when people hear you say you're punting big man, it means you just draft all guards and you can't really get away with that. You're looking for big men that have a more guard-like fantasy stat set. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So in the uh, so I there will be a write up coming out on the uh, in the draft guide. Um, go get it shortly. It's, it's ready it. to go. So go, go get it. Get that draft guide. It's get ready. It, um, so just waiting for Eric to, to run his eye over it and post that. Um, but we did a fir- we did our first uh, reader mock last week, nice. I think. Um, and I did a, a hard punt, and so I, and this is fresh in my mind because I just wrote it up. Um, so I was actually projected to finish first in that league based on, on the draft. And I can tell you my team. So I took Jason Tatum early. Um, I took him at nine, I think. Yeah, so I took Tatum at pick nine. So a reason I did that was because he's a forward. So he fills that forward. But he actually he actually sort of projects like a guard in terms of his stats. Um, I took Fred Van Fleet Donovan Mitchell, Lonzo Ball, D'Angelo Russell, DeMar DeRozan, Colin Sexton. So all guards. I didn't take yeah. a center through the first seven rounds. Wow. Um, I then took PJ Washington, who has center eligibility. Um, but, but as, yeah, doesn't shoot the ball well. No, doesn't. But he's okay from the free throw line. He will hit threes. He gets over a steal a game. So fits that, that build. Uh, then I took Evan Fournier, Boyan Bogdanovich, Dylan Brooks, and Jordan Poole. So really guard heavy, but there are a few guys in there. So DeMar DeRozan has forward eligibility. Uh, Evan Fournier has forward eligibility. Boyan Bogdanovich is a forward. So just filling and, – and the, the settings we had for this league were, were guard, forward, and center. So it wasn't power forward, small forward, point guard, shooting guard. Um, I love which, that, by the way. I love yeah. that. Yeah, so so that that's an idea of of a build there. So targeting players in different areas, I went probably a little bit early on D'Angelo Russell, Colin Sexton, um, but they fit what I needed really well. Um, so yeah, that, that's just an example of of how I punt. 
I'm going to actually do another question. I, I think you and I, I could, I could pick your brain on punting for an entire episode, and people probably would enjoy that, uh, but we did promise people a mailbag, so I'll keep going here. Uh, as much as I have like another four or five follow-up questions. Um, I'm going to skip over the, the question about strategy, drafting strategy, Roto. Well, you know what? Actually, let's, let's do that just very briefly. Uh, this is a question about draft strategies uh, in Roto versus head-to-head, category leagues versus point leagues, things of that nature. I think people have heard my general take on this. I'd be curious to see, because I, I actually don't know that I'm in the majority on this one. With When I play in head-to-head leagues, I value durability a lot in a way that I simply don't in in roto formats because of the games cap and it feels very like mathy and and straightforward in my brain but i've had a lot of people in head-to-head leagues tell me that they really draft hard on the per game side as well and leave the health stuff a little bit more up to chance i I don't know man i i feel like you do have to think about games played on the head-to-head side but look you're the head-to-head guy so where do you stand on this do you do you lean into games played? Is that something you handicap pretty hard for your head-to-head drafts? Or are you uh, kind of chasing the per-game upside and just praying that a guy gets it to, you know, 71 out of 82 games or something? Oh, it's it's a tricky question. And, and I think the probably the thought process on that has changed over the last sort of two to three years. So I would say three years ago, yes, you would really lean into to not drafting players that could miss games. Nowadays, I just think everyone is going to miss games um, pretty much. Like uh, chances of anyone playing 82 games this season are, are almost zero. Um, and I, I think you, you're sort of aiming more for around the 70 games, 72 games played uh, as a sort of a benchmark. And so I do a little bit. I do so. And, and that's another reason that I've taken Tatum um, first in a lot of drafts is just because he's generally pretty durable, uh, stays yeah. on the floor. Um, so I think in, in the first round, you'd sort of be looking at Jokic, Lillard, and maybe Tatum as the three guys who, who were going to play maybe 75 games. Um, so so I, I do, but I also put a little bit of, of um, sway in just hoping that, that players are going to stay on the floor but in saying that I avoid players like Joel Embiid I'm not drafting him Porzingis I'm probably not drafting him um TJ Warren I'm not drafting him anymore Uh, yeah what the hell how is that dude not healthy yet yeah I don't know I've I drafted him in some leagues already so I'm pretty annoyed nuts he had surgery in January yeah so there are certain players I will avoid um but yeah, it's a balance. I think. I, th- I think in your roster, you need to have a couple of guys in there that that you're pretty confident will play. Um, but then you just need to take a chance somewhere else. By the way, Joel Embiid early Yahoo ADP is eight. Youch. Yeah, too high for me per game. <laughs> absolutely. But, yeah, but um, you know, guy that yeah. plays seventy percent of his team's games every year. That's. That is not insignificant. Um, okay, let's keep moving along here. I want to try to do my best to keep the, the train moving along because you and I have a lot of things to say about this stuff. And th- herein lies the issue with mailbag episodes is that we could pick three of these and do an hour on it. Um, th- I want to address this one because uh, the question was basically, should I go into my draft looking at 
projections of a player or with the career stats of that player up to that point. This person said they're feeling soured after being dead last in their league last year uh, using projections. And I think this actually, this folds into what we've been talking about on Fantasy NBA Today the last couple of weeks, which is how to use projections and a rank board combined with understanding who's going at what place. I think, Adam, my short answer to this question is projections because we build projections off of new data on top of what a person has done in their career to that point because a projection should actually be inextricably linked to what a player's done in the past because guys outside of Brandon Ingram two years ago, guys just don't change magically what they do in 30 minutes on a basketball court all that often, right? No, and I think, yeah, as you said, the projections should be factoring in um, the the career numbers. Uh, But, I mean, it's nice to be aware of career numbers. And an an example that just comes to mind, and and I wrote about it in in that... um, in the mock draft uh, recap is Christian Wood. So he he was really hyped last season, um, started the season really well, got injured and sort of fell off late. Um, he he only shot 60, 68% or something from the free throw line last season. It was pretty bad. Three years, the three years before that, he was up closer to 75%. So that's something just to keep in mind that um, there is a, a pretty decent chance that he gets that free throw percentage back up closer to 75, which which improves his ranking by about two two rounds straight away. So I think it's it's good to just be aware of the career numbers, but I, I would be putting more um, sort of... I, I would look at those projections as being more important when drafting. I think I would also add, and then I'd be curious if you have anything more to, to catalog on this particular idea or question. If you're just going into a, a draft using I, I guess the question really is what projections is this person using are they talking about um yahoo's built-in projections or or fan or espn or whatever site they're they're looking at because yeah those are going to probably land you in last place because then you're just you're basically just drafting off of the big box site pre-rank list and almost any handicappers or any fantasy analyst personal list is, is going to run circles around the big box site. They just have too many things they have to worry about to get into the weeds as much as, you know, the B150 or, or whatever analysts rank page you're looking at. So to, I, I'm going to I think each of us now I'll, I'll go first. So that way I don't put you on the hot seat. We're, let's just talk to this user directly. And what I would say to you who asked the question feeling soured by projections is take whatever projections you have. Make sure they're not just the pre-ranks of whatever site you're using. And I don't mean to insult anybody's intelligence because if you're not using those, I I don't know what you're working off of. Let's say you're working off the B-150. Understand that the Brewski 150's list, or if it's HoopBall's projections, don't just draft in the order that guys are ranked on that list. Take time to understand where players are going and then maximize your ability to get the guys you want by comparing your projections to, generally, the projections provided by those big box sites. 
So it's again, it, it's sort of a, a combination analysis. That's how you win on draft day. Because if you're not doing that, you're pretty much just auto-drafting. Now you, Adam, you get to talk to this person directly. Look at the camera when you say it. By the way, we're not we're not on camera right now. <laughs> we're not on camera. No, thank God. Uh, yeah, look, I just echo what you said, really. I think um, it really depends what projections you use. And I mean, I, I know talking like for myself, I'm I'm so deeply invested in this that I I don't pay any attention to the order within Yahoo or within fan tracks because I just know who I'm targeting. Um, I have my queue set up, so I I don't really pay any attention. But when you do, if you if you do take a look at it, I mean it is way way off, um, which we see every year, and it does adjust slightly as we get closer to the start of the season. But um, I would just make sure that you're using some some projections or rankings from a reputable site, uh, from a and a site that that is invested really heavily into fantasy basketball um like hoop ball whereas you look at yahoo espn they cover a lot of sports they've got people just throwing names out there so uh i i would just yeah pay the money get the hoop ball subscription and get the the um the rankings from us yeah that's the easy solution i think i love it and we'll walk you through the game theory side of this i mean i i'm hoping that that's what some episodes of this show have done recently understanding how to play your hand basically like this is it's a game of hearts man you don't just throw out the cards in the order that you picked them up you got to figure out what everybody else is doing and that's how you that's how you make your best play um here's an interesting one uh well, this, this question is is sort of, yeah, okay, I like this one. Uh, this is a really good question, actually. How much of an impact will the new rules make on free throw attempts for guys like James Harden, Trey Young, Jimmy Butler, DeMar DeRozan, Damian Lillard? What do you see as league leaders for free throw attempts per game? Is it going to be more like six to eight? My thought is that they're... Those guys will find a way, but maybe I'm oversimplifying. So, Adam, I get to put you on the spot first on this one. Do you think that the rule changes to eliminate some of the sort of non, the unusual offensive moves, the the lean-ins, crap like that, that I know I think fans have hated for a really long time? Is that going to have a significant impact on free throw numbers this year, or are guys just going to find another way to get to the line? Uh, look, I actually think it will, but but I think it will only it'll impact more uh, certain players uh, over others. So I think players like Harden, uh, Trey Young, those guys will be impacted, and that's mainly because a lot of the fouls that we're talking about come from the perimeter or, or come from jump shots. I think those guys that get fouled inside the paint, uh, like Giannis. Um, Embiid, I think they'll actually lead the league this season in, in free throws attempted. Um, they'll be up sort of around that 9-10. I don't think it impacts them a whole lot, uh, whereas those guards, I think it does. So I could see Harden or Trey Young um, dropping down to sort of, yeah, 7-7 seven, seven per game, which and yeah, I think Harden is normally closer up to about 11 or something, isn't he? I think I'm, w- I think I'm with you on Trey. I don't know if I'm totally sold on the rest of these guys because Trey's been the one... The one that always sticks out is the like pump fake three jump into you guy, the the weird backwards jumping in the key type of stuff. Um, I don't know that they can eliminate some of the weird hardened fouls because his stuff tends to be like 
gets into the key and someone's on his right, he puts the ball in his left hand and then lifts up his right arm into a defender who's reaching over it. He does things while moving. Like, that's to me, that's what makes it so hard to impact James Harden getting to the free throw line. He's able to control different parts of his body uh, in a way that I don't think 99.9% of humans can't do. Like, I can't make my body do that many different things at the same time the way that he can. It's why no one can stop fouling him because they look at the way his body's moving and they think this is where all the pieces should go and they just don't go that way. And I and I watch it and I want to be annoyed by it, but they tend to actually be fouls and I'm just so blown away. I'm like, how did he in the moment know to move like his right forearm there while at the same time getting a shot up with his left, like around a defender while stepping right with one leg and stepping left with the other, that's still going to be a foul because they almost can't do anything about it. So I'm with you on the guys that are doing the weird lean-in pump fake three, uh, but I don't know that that was as much Harden or DeRozan or even Jimmy Butler, who tends to get fouled around the rim also by mm. like getting into contact as much as it was Trey and then other guys that took a bunch of three pointers. Like what we should probably look is how many guys got fouled shooting the three ball last year. Duncan Robinson might get impacted by stuff like this. Um, crap. I'm trying to think of it. I think it was a pacer who had a Doug McDermott. Actually. I think he took a ton of free throws on three pointers because of like weird curls off screens. And then like having a leg backwards where it shouldn't have been. Those are the guys, to me, that are going to get nailed by this stuff. The weird three-pointer lean-in dudes. Um, And so overall, I'm actually not super concerned. And I'm pretty low on Trey Young anyway. Um, And if that just kicks him lower, it's just another reason why he's probably not going to end up on my fantasy team. I'm mostly a nine-cat. So yeah, that's, that's a big reason. But like, free throws were basically his best category last year. If you take anything away from that, then he falls farther. He was 58th by averages in nine category leagues. And there's no way he's getting drafted any later than about 24 this year, probably earlier than that. So yeah, um, I'm going to keep chugging along here. The, cause we only have about five, six minutes left on this thing. Quick one. There's a question about Anthony Davis and I've, I've kicked this one back and forth in my own head a few times. The question was basically, would you let Anthony Davis slip out of the first round? And when I saw that question, I thought, what? And then I went into Yahoo and he actually has an ADP of 12 and a half. So he legitimately might not be a first round pick this year. Adam, would you let would would you draft Anthony Davis? Well, okay, I I have to a- ask the question with the right format. Is he someone you absolutely positively must draft in the first round this year? Uh I don't think so. No, I think I would I wouldn't be comfortable taking him inside the top 10. Um I think if I was maybe on the turn I would consider him because I would then pair him with someone who I have more confidence in. So I think he, he's right. That that ADP will probably actually stick. Um, I, I think around that 12 mark is probably where he's going to go. And that's where I've seen him going in, in drafts as well. That's remarkable. I am, I'm so floored, uh, not because this feels that weird, but because no matter how many times I was like, you know what? He might have been so bad this last year that he actually falls. And then it really happened. It really happened. Uh, 
the like Le- LeBron has a has an earlier ADP than Anthony Davis this season. Uh, Joel Embiid for all of his warts, earlier ADP guys like Luca and Giannis are always going to be really high because uh, not everybody plays in a nine cat league, and some people play in points leagues where those guys should go super duper early. Anthony Davis had a weird season last year. There's no there's no way around that. He played only half the year. He forgot how to shoot free throws. He didn't block two shots a game. All of his stuff went away. And as much as I'd like to say that he needs to come back and kind of prove something this year, he doesn't really because the Lakers no. are going to be more concerned about winning in the postseason. Um, that like championship, we've done this thing mentality isn't going to change in the regular season. So yeah, crazy as it seems, I'm actually with you. Although I will say this, if I'm if I have the 12th pick and he's still there, I'm almost definitely taking him. Like I don't how many guys can you draft after the top 10 that have been a runaway number 1 pick in the last half decade? The answer is generally zero. <laughs> and this year the answer is one. And it's that dude. It's AD. So, yeah, I mean if I can get him at the turn or right at the beginning of the second round, I'm going to do it. I much as I hate the injury stuff, I think he'll I think he'll play sixty eight ish ball games this year out of eighty two. I don't think we're gonna have the the catastrophic, you know, half a season missed stuff again. I think the Lakers do need to build chemistry, so they're gonna try to get him out there. Um and he has top three potential. So I, I have to do it. It's easier for me because of the games cap roto situation where, you know, if he's missing a game every week it doesn't completely sink my ship and he could end up being sort of that Kawhi Leonard mold where you know he's going to miss 15 games and he's going to be so good on a per game basis that the other stuff just sort of doesn't matter. But that that question was interesting because he ended up with a much lower or larger number, I should say, ADP than I expected even after the pretty crump, uh, clunky season. And this is our last question. I'll kind of turn it into a little bit of a lightning round here. Um, there were two that were relatively similar. Someone asked about hype guys and how early they should go. The other question was about reaches, uh, and uh, there was there was some overlap between them, so I'm going to kind of throw them together into one lightning round mode where, uh, Adam, you and I can trade off who goes first on this. So uh, the question basically is, how high is too high, or are these players' reaches where they're currently going in mock drafts? Uh, player number one is Michael Porter Jr., who's being drafted in the second or third round. I'm going to say he's not going too early there. What about you? No, I think that's about right. Yeah. I, I think that's where I've seen him going, and, and I had him last year. He's he's good. No Jamal Murray. He's going to be really good, so that feels about right. Kristaps Porzingis, who apparently is going in the 30s in mocks, although I see his ADP on Yahoo is closer to 50, so maybe that one changes I would say the 30s is indeed too early for Porzingis. The 50s, however, is very much not too early. I don't know which one is going to turn out to be right. What are your feelings on those? I think I said I was going to let you go first, but I screwed that up. Uh, 30, <laughs> yeah, 30 feels too high per game, absolutely. But yeah, the 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 risk of, of um, rest and, and that sort of thing is, is too concerning for me. So 50, 50 feels about, about right. Is the early 40s... Ooh, too early for Rashawn Holmes. I'll let you go first on this one. Uh, I don't know. Holmes is a tricky one. I mean, we know that he can be a, a top 40 player, but he just he just sort of flies under the radar. Um, 
I think you can probably let him fall. I'm okay with taking him there, but I think you can probably let him fall. I don't know what his ADP is at the moment. Yeah, that stuff's uh, all over the board. I'm actually with you. I, I think that's fine. I would take him there. I think there's still some some profit margin on him. Tyrese Halliburton, if he's being drafted in the 50s, uh, I think that actually is a tiny bit too early for me on Halliburton. I would like to create a tiny bit more wiggle room there. Where do you stand on Tyrese? Is 50s too early for you? Oh, that's probably about as high as I'd go. I think he can be probably a top 50, top 40 player, but um, better suited for Roto Leagues. And yeah, Yeah. I I think you can probably let him fall maybe another round, Um, but not a a huge issue there. Uh, Time Lord apparently is going in the 40s in uh, mock drafts for this person. I don't think that's going to be anywhere near his ADP. I'd I'd be blown away if his ADP is any earlier than like 65. So I'm actually going to skip him because I don't think that's where he's going as this stuff moves along. Uh, OG Ananobi going in the 50s. I forget who's supposed to go first now. I think it's you. Is that too early for OG in the 50s? No way. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, Isaiah Stewart in the 70s. I get to go first on this one. Uh, I'm actually good with that one. That one's like right in the middle for me. There is a path for him to beat that number. I really do wish he would go a little bit later. But again, you're kind of getting into that no man's land territory. So I'll say no. I'm okay with him going in the 70s. What about you? Yeah, I think I'm okay there. That That's as high. And, and maybe you could let him fall a little bit there. He still doesn't have that sort of name value. So again, it's knowing who who's in your league and who's drafting because... If it's players that know, if it's GMs that know their stuff, then then he will be targeted a bit earlier. But if it's if it's players who who just sort of turn up and draft and then that's it, um, they won't really know who he is. So so yeah, know your league. But I think that's fine there. Both of these questions ended up with the Jonathan Isaac in there, but then we got that report that he might not be ready for opening day. So I'm going to jump over him because I have to make some uh, pretty significant adjustments to my draft board. And instead, I'm going to go with JJJ, who I actually don't have any idea where he's going so far. Um, But I believe his early Yahoo ADP is in the 50s. Is that too early for you on Jaron Jackson Jr.? No, I think that's about right. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I'm not going to do a, a Jonas here and say take him in the first <laughs> round, but he's... I love that. No, I, that I love that's that. fine. I, I, he's well-rested. Um, yeah, I, I've got no issues at all taking him in the 50s. And the last one before we wrap things up on today's mailbag episode, don't worry, we will do other ones. I know there were a bunch of questions that didn't get answered. We might be able to take to Twitter to try to get the ones that didn't, get on the show at some point here in the next day or two. Uh, And the last name on this list is Rob Covington, who's going in the 80s. And I'm going to say that's a wonderful place to take Rocco. What about you? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, he he's they have got Larry Nance there as well. So a little bit of competition at the power forward spot. But I think, I mean, Covington, by all accounts, last season, you'd have to say he had a bad year. Uh, and... He was probably still a top. I can't remember. He was probably still a top, top sixty player. Yeah, per game he was around sixty, and by totals he was actually inside the top forty. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I think that's fine. I, I think as long as he's playing thirty minutes a game, which he will, um, yeah, he should be able to fall into top, top sixty, top seventy value. So that's fine. And that is what we're going to do on today's mailbag episode. Again, we'll try to hit the rest of these questions on Twitter uh, in time. Thank you to everybody that got questions in. 
We probably went a little deeper on a few than we needed to, but this is that's the fun of the offseason. Adam, I know you got to run, so I don't want to keep you too much longer. Thank you, as always, for coming on the pod. Let's do this again soon. Yeah, it was nice, nice, nice of you to have a week where you can cram us all in. Oh my god! Yeah, I try to do a lot of things on these these solo weeks. Please, everybody, go follow Adam on Twitter at Adam King ninety one. This is the best time of year to do it, leading up to the start of the fantasy season. Adam, I'll talk to you in a little bit. All right, thanks, my man. The fantastic Adam King. As always, a massive pleasure having Adam on the pod. We will be reconvening here. One of my big goals this season, mind you, I have to figure out where the hell I can and carve out scheduling time, is we got to talk to more people on the podcast, especially the smartest dudes in the industry. And Adam is among those. We are extraordinarily lucky to have him here at HoopBall. Uh, and we'll be talking to one of the other smartest, maybe the smartest person in the fantasy industry our founder, Aaron Bruski, that's coming up on Friday's episode. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Hope you guys enjoyed it. One more quick reminder here at the end of the show. Odds boost. Your last opportunity to get in that is tomorrow, Thursday. The NFL season begins. It is a $25 guaranteed winning wager with our buddies over at mybookie.ag. A few of you have indeed taken me up on the offer this week. I will not only open your account for you, I will make your initial deposit. And all you got to do is go in, place that bet, uh, and all of a sudden you've got like 50 bucks to play with. It's real money. It's not promo bucks. My bookie wants you to use their website, and that is how they will make sure you do it. Again, just let me know before you do anything so I can make sure that all promo codes are entered properly, and uh, then we can get you fired up over there. So again, you've got about 24 hours to get all that going. Uh, one more big thank you to Adam King at Adam King 91 on Twitter. I am Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Tomorrow, we'll wrap up the buckets. One last discussion on a little bit more on no man's land and kind of pulling things all together with one final look. We'll talk to Brew on Friday. And Monday, we'll begin our journey through Yahoo's numbers on the year. That'll take us, I would imagine, pretty much all of next week. Uh, and then hopefully we get into mock draft season after that. We are... On the climb now, everybody. Please do, by the way, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. That's this time of year also. Hit the subscribe button. Drop a five-star review on the show. It's how we kind of exponentially power boost up the boards. And then more people find us. And then I can decrease the number of advertisements. And I know folks have uh, seen the uptick in those. We got we to gotta sort of power the locomotive here. And the more of you that are listening... Uh, the fewer of those that actually need to happen. So please help us get to that mark. I promise it'll be worth everyone's while. It's a free thing you can do to make sure that this pod stays free forever. Again, I am Dan Vespers for HoopBall and Fantasy NBA Today. Have a lovely Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a hoop ball presentation.